Welcome to the Mike on Much podcast. I'm your host, Mike Veerman. We are here with our friend and trusted producer, Max Kerman. We also have our pop culture aficionado, Shane Cunningham, and Erica is working the ones and the twos. Uh, gang, there's a lot to talk about today. Uh, anyone who's been following the news knows that the election has been called for Joe Biden. Um, we will get into that. Also, incredibly sad news, uh, Alex Trebek, a Canadian icon and a, I mean, a television icon in general, um, passed away. Uh, we're going to get to all that stuff. But before we get to that stuff, I want to sort of catch up with everybody. And Max, I'm interested because I saw something on Instagram. You have a new song coming out called Pub Crawl. And mm. uh, I feel like this hits close to home for Shane and I because for the last, oh, I don't know, a little more than a half decade, we have been on said pub crawl. I think you wrote about it. I didn't know. Like, wh- Tell us what the deal with this song is. Yeah. Well, the song is, is based on a true story. Oh, yeah. I haven't shown you guys the song. Normally, I send you guys stuff. Yeah. But mm-hmm. I, feel, I feel like Arkell's in our friend group is kind of old hat. You know, it's like, eh, whatever, who gives a shit? I think like in the early <laughs> days, people people were excited, uh, you know, if we were going on a tour or putting out an album. But now all of our friends like don't, you know, blink. You know, it's like, whatever, who cares? But you're right. This is um, relevant no, to No, I was never because- excited, but I do like listening to the songs. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, but the song... Um, you know, uh, we've we've never done a Christmas song before, and over the years, we always think, oh, we should do a Christmas song, but it's like usually November twenty eighth or something like that, and by then you can't turn around in time. Obviously, this year twenty twenty, it's a little bit different, and uh, we have a lot more time on our hands. So back in August, we uh, wrote this Christmas holiday song, and I was trying to think about like what what the angle ought to be. And when I think about the holidays, I mostly think about my friends. And this great tradition we have, it's like a 12 pubs of Christmas. And the song um, actually name drops uh, your, your brother, Greg. Um, oh. Yeah. And also uh, Julian gets a shout out because uh, that's sort of a theme in Arkell's songs. He's, this is <laughs> the third song Julian has been a part of. Uh, yeah. And it's, uh, it's a rollicking affair. It's a bit of a journey. What uh, about us? Uh, you, got, you, you, got, you guys aren't mentioned by name, but you're, but you're clearly in the scene, I should yeah, it's, say. Yeah, it's the, it's the lyric and others. Mm. That's the part we're in, uh, Shane. Uh, <laughs> okay, what do you say about Greg? Uh, do I want to give this away? Yeah, Let's I think hear we can, it. Just the lyric. Give this, um, Who cares? So, um, well, here's the thing, Shane. They're like teasing it out. You have to like go into I know, pubs but you don't, I'm not saying sing the melody. Just give me the <laughs> monotone lyrics. Okay. So I'll, I'll give this, this is like a, a podcast exclusive. Ash, we're doing a podcast exclusive here. That's fine. Uh, because actually starting today with the bars that are participating, we printed out carol music. I'm going to show it to you guys on the zoom call. But oh. like, you know, the, so like it looks like like shitty carol music, you know, like in a terrible font that you might like just get handed out at you know some event totally. over the holidays. So it, it actually, Greg makes an appearance uh, in the bridge, um, and so the lyric I'll, I'll recite it like it's a poem. So it's like <laughs> Christmas lights shining oh so bright, taxis lining up outside. We're heading down to Barton Street, but Greg won't pay for anything. No, he. W- <laughs> No, he won't pitch in a dime. <laughs> Will he walk or take the ride? He's too cheap with too much pride. There he goes walking out into the night. Uh, and, uh, wow. <laughs> oh, man. That's, that's not Mike. just a mention. That's like yeah. a whole verse. Yeah, you got like yeah, a whole I, lyric. Um, actually, I should keep going. I should start. I, I should keep reading. Yeah. So then it kind of goes into the bridge. Um, okay. And it's like clockwork as we're coming up on midnight. Jules is dancing with the shirt off. Max is about to cry. And I always want to stay this close as the years are flying by. We get to the 12th bar. What's it called? 
It's called Five Star. And we'll <laughs> sing it one more time. And then it goes into the refrain, which I'll save for the actual song. Oh, I'm but, getting uh, emotional. I'm getting yeah, emotional. That's a good one. Oh my God. Well, we have we have photos from all the years at Five Star, which is the last bar. We've talked about this in the podcast where all the shirts come off and the regulars there now, they expect us at around two in the morning to walk in. They immediately <laughs> take their shirts off. Oh man, yeah, I'm, I'm, this is amazing. <laughs> yeah, so I'm actually, okay, I'll send it to you guys after we're done the pot and you guys can- Awesome. Oh, that's yeah. wicked. Your decision yeah. to use taxi instead of Uber though, why did you do that? So I think a good question. Uh, I did have to make that conscious choice. And because the song is trying to be like a classic Christmas song, you know, like the fairy tale of Christmas, it kind of evokes another time uh, from the past. Mm -hmm. And when you throw in some modern technology uh, or modern references, it's just not as good. So it's like hopping in an Uber. That just doesn't sound as good. Uh, is that your doorbell? That's that. Sorry, that is my doorbell. I, I ordered some new glasses and I saw the FedEx truck literally pull up out front. And I go, ooh, my glasses. But then I was like, oh, should I hope he doesn't ring the doorbell in the middle of Max's explanation? It sounded like a Christmas song. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it was very fitting. Yeah, that was a perfect bell. Um, I'm going to go get those glasses in a second because I'm excited to see how they look. Uh, two, that is an excellent explanation, Max. I think that that, that totally makes sense. Like, Yeah, like, taxis. It, it's kind of a throwback thing, right? Well, you, you but Uber, you caught, in 20 years, Uber is going to be a throwback thing. Mm, that's true. Could be, could be. But like, you know, if you want to make it a classic, you make it of this time. And then 20 years ago, people would be like, ah, oh, Ubers, that was written at it like that special romantic time in history. Yeah. The great the pandemic of 2020. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Shane, when you saw on Instagram that they had like a song about the pub crawl, what went through your mind? Because I was like, I didn't hear anything about this. I'm genuinely excited. Yeah. I think probably the same thing that went through your mind. Like I was like, am I mentioned in it? Oh, I'm probably not. Oh, I shouldn't be getting <laughs> jealous. You know, I don't want to be that guy. Everyone thinks I'm going to be jealous. Uh, but, but yeah, I was hopeful. That there would be maybe a throwaway, maybe not a direct name mention, but something that alluded to something I I do. Yeah, mm. but maybe I don't have a thing. Like like like, uh, like it, and it must be said that our funniest friend is balancing a drink on his head, like something like that. That would be good. Yeah, because oh. drink balancing. That's your thing when you get super drunk. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That and I think that's appropriate for a song too, and it's very cheerful and like a joyous thing. Um, well, actually, I, I'll give you a little bit more background on the song. Um, so obviously, our pub crawl is a bit of a dudely affair. It's mostly just dudes. And uh, Nick in our band, he had some feedback. He said, Max, I think, you know, pub crawls aren't just dude affairs. W women participate in them. I, I go on a pub crawl back home with my friends, and it's a guy and girl thing. And I was like, oh, that's a good note. So uh, we we bored a little bit from that experience. Uh, do, do you want me to just read the... Um, the, the song like it's a, Entire a poem? Song? If you're allowed, yeah. this would be amazing. <laughs> I, podcast. I, I, think, I think we do it. All right, All right, here we go. I've been feeling disconnected from the town where I come from. I spent my whole life chasing a fantasy. I spent my whole life on the run. But every year we make a promise, same time, same place. All the old friends are back in town and we say a grace. And here's the chorus. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you Bless us these thy gifts that we receive. Heavenly Father, please forgive us. They call it a pub crawl because the night will bring us to our knees. So that's the refrain. So people are going to think, mm -hmm. is this a religious song? Like, no, it's <laughs> yeah. not a religious song. Okay, okay. Around 5 p.m., there's 11 of us. We're throwing credit cards into a hat. 
we pull them out like a lottery and we see who picks up the tab. We'll have a drink and get on to the next. It's a marathon and it's a sprint. Maria's dancing around and she's singing Mariah, getting kicked out of bar number six. (laughs) Back to the refrain. Heavenly Father, can I call you Daddy? Can you take me to the promised land tonight? So you made up a female character who doesn't exist. Exactly. Sister Maria, <laughs> she came back through the side door because she got kicked out in the previous verse, right? I, I think Shane. No. They, I think I think Maria could be Shane, though. That's me. That's what I do. Once I <laughs> once I got kicked out of a bar, and then I snuck to the back, and I climbed up the fire escape, and snuck back in the bar, and then I got kicked there. out again, and did it again. I was with Mike. Yeah, I was there. Oh, that was amazing. <laughs> you know, subconsciously, that was the memory I was pulling from. Okay, so, um, okay I'm Maria. Okay. Uh, Sister Maria came back to the side door. They call it a pub crawl under Christmas. Lights shining oh so bright. Taxis lining up outside. Heading down to Barton Street, but Greg won't pay for anything. No, he won't pitch in a dime. Willie Walker take the ride. It's too cheap with too much pride. Oh, there he goes walking out into the night. You know when Greg like can't make his mind, he's like, fuck it. And he just like walks away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, I know it well. Uh, yeah. All right. And it's like clockwork as we're coming up on midnight. Jules is dancing with his shirt off. Max is about to cry. And I always want to stay this close. As the years are flying by, we get to the 12th bar. What's it called? It's called Five Star. And we'll sing it one more time. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you. Bless us these that gifts that we receive. Heavenly Father, please forgive us. Well, they call it a pub crawl because the night will bring us to our knees. Now, um, I don't know any actual prayers. So I had to Google like grace. I just like Googled, what's a grace with heavenly father? And that was the first thing that came up. So bless us these, that gifts that we receive. Have you guys ever heard that before? Yeah, in like a roundabout. Yeah, yeah, yeah variations. Well, yeah, yeah, totally yeah, yeah. familiar. Anyway. No, it's great. Yeah, so, that, so that's what it is. And uh, Is it a catchy yeah. song? I think it is. It's it's like uh, Springsteen yeah. meets ELO meets Queen. It's it it, it take it has oh. a few different parts to it. It's like kind of classic rock. It's good. Does it feel like like uh, Santa Claus is coming to town? Springsteen Christmas song like Rocky. It has a bit of that quality for sure. Like the Springsteen reference was there for sure. The piano part, the guitar solo even almost feels like there's a big guitar solo in the middle. Oh, Mike D. Mike D. Getting excited. Yeah, there's like a harmony there. It's, it's kind of queeny and like all that stuff kind of has a Christmassy thing to it because it's so over the top and like playful and fun. Um, but yeah, so that's happening. Uh, it's coming on Thursday. But uh, yeah, we've we've leaked the song to a bunch of bars across the countries. Are there bells in the song? You know, there is not bells. I think we made the, the executive decision not to do the bo- the bells. I, I think that we thought that was a little wow. too much. But um, yeah, so. Um, so wait, so everybody everybody can hear it on Thursday, but right now yeah. if you go into a, a pub, you can request it. Yeah, the pubs that are participating, they email us and we send them the song. Yeah, Very there cool. You go. Yeah. Nice, nice. Maybe maybe I'm so I'm dying to hear. It. Maybe I'll pop up to Odds for a nice takeout lunch today and ask to hear it. Exactly. No, you, you said you're going to send it to us after this, though. <laughs> yeah. I'm not saying don't yeah. go to Odds, Mike. Uh, the wings are delicious. <laughs> I love everything they have. But so um, another kind of fun thing that happened uh, the other day was I got to participate in a film shoot, which is going to be like a Sportsnet Rogers spot that'll be on during the holidays. Uh, if you recall, last year Serge Ibaka hosted this holiday party, and Penny Olisiak and uh, Bianca Andrescu. And a hockey player dude showed up and they had like dinner at his house. This year, I was part of the cast. And uh, Tessa Virtue was the host. Um, Max Domi, uh, a professional hockey player. Wayne Simmons, who's now in the Maple Leafs. 
uh, Julie Black, um, Nick Nurse, and Jamal Murray and his father were the quote unquote guests, wow. and we and we all sat around and we talked about like holiday traditions, and it was pretty fucking awesome. I gotta say, I had a really good time, and we were talking a lot about basketball stuff. I think Jamal Murray likes me, guys. I think he likes <laughs> me. Well, I mean, right out. So for our listeners, Jamal Murray uh, is a NBA star becoming a superstar. He plays for the Denver Nuggets. You might have saw in the bubble, he had a very viral video where after having a massive playoff game, he was in tears and his shoes were uh, Brianna Taylor and uh, George Floyd. Um, but he's also a Canadian uh, and he's becoming, like I said, a very, very big star. Max, after you, so while you were at the shoot, you were like kind of sending like, you were like a, a giddy schoolboy sort of giving <laughs> updates. Uh, and then afterwards, you just sent the screen grab that Jamal Murray now follows Arkells on Instagram. He does. He does. He's from your neck of the woods. Uh, he's from Kitchener. He's uh, from Kitchener, Erica. my humble Erica. abode. Yeah, he might be here right now. Who knows? He's a Grand River collegiate graduate. How old is he? <laughs> 22. Yeah, I think he's like tw- nah, 23. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. He's like right around my age. I have a few friends who like know who know him from high school, but mm-hmm. yeah, he seems like a great guy. Good hang. Really, yeah, really nice guy. His dad was part of it too. And, yeah. you know, famously, like his dad was his basketball coach growing up and, and worked him pretty hard. But, um, but Shane, you texted me. You're like, you know, having Nick Nurse come on stage has been the greatest thing that ever happened to you because it sort of like connected me <laughs> oh, with other yeah. people that I really interested in. And, it was really fun um, because we're all sort of on equal footing at this event, right? Because we're all kind of the stars of this production. We're the talent. <laughs> and um, I was thinking, I was like, in any other context in life, if I were to meet Jamal Murray, I would just be the incredibly annoying white guy trying to talk to him about basketball. And and he gets that, I'm sure, all day, every day. But because we're in this like very specific, somewhat contrived, calculated circumstance, but... You're, you're like, you're, you're in the Avengers. It's like this, it's this amalgamation of like people that are successful in their fields. And so without having to like have any pre-credentials, just the fact that you're at the Avengers table, he just has to respect your position. He's like, oh, there's another famous guy. But there's still a hierarchy. There's still the one with the bow and arrow where you don't really know the name as much, you know? (laughs) Okay. You are completely, you're completely right. But here's the thing is that Jamal is actually kind of a shy guy. Wayne Simmons on the Maple Leafs, he's kind of a shy guy. Max Domi's a really good talker, but as they're not, their job is not to entertain around a table. That's kind of my job. So as a result, I ended up talking more alpha. than anybody. I was the alpha. They, then all the conversation, wow. Jamal would be like, so Max, like, do you get nervous before you get, go on stage? Like he was asking me lots of questions. Wow. And, and it was, uh, it was really fun. And I got a chance to wax all my basketball knowledge. So I was telling all these stories. Nick Nurse told the story about how he's never been more nervous than coming on stage with me. Jamal Murray's like locked in listening to the story. I was talking about how when I was 12 or 13, 12 years old, I, I, uh, interviewed the general manager of the Toronto Raptors, Glenn Grunwald, and he is now the president of Canada Basketball, who Jamal plays for. So we had all these like different points of interest. They asked me what my favorite song is right now. He's Jamal's like, what's your favorite song? I'm like, you know, my favorite song right now, um, Busta Rhymes has a new album out. I love Busta. And it's the song with Kendrick Lamar, Look Over Your Shoulder. And Jamal's dad's like, that's my favorite song right now. So we had all these like <laughs> awesome moments together. And I was just so happy I went to this thing because obviously we're, we're really good pals with Tessa and and Nick's a dear friend. And Max Domi actually like lives around the corner from my, my folks house in Toronto. So and then like, you know, Wayne Simmons is playing for the Leafs and Kyle Dubas. So, you know, it's like there's all these points of interest, which is really fun. But uh, 
I'm just I just look forward because the first time you meet somebody, you know, everyone's a little nervous. But next time I see Jamal Murray at something, he, we're gonna be like, we're gonna be boys. Like he's, he remembers me. I, th- Max, I think. Not mm-hmm. to tie everything together, uh, but do you think there's a chance that if we do a nice socially distanced pub crawl this year, Jamal Murray joins us? This is good. You know what? He is living at home with his folks in Kitchener. I, it sounds like he's pretty bored. So maybe we get him down, get him down to Hamilton for, for the holiday. I like it. I like it a lot. This. This is good. Good idea. Man, okay, that's, that's enough not, for me. No, but that's, that's, I mean, well, I don't know. Shane, do you have any more questions? Eric, could you have any questions about your, you know, your fellow cityman, uh, Jamal Murray? Like, yeah. He's bored. Like I could show him around if he wants. Like we could go to, I could show him the the cool coffee shops or something. Or like we could do like a socially distant something in the park, a beer maybe. I don't know. Just who knows, you know. I'll I'll pitch it but to. What him. if yeah. that made someone jealous, Erica? Mm. <laughs> would that make anyone jealous? No, no, it wouldn't. It wouldn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I like I like uh-huh. that Max just had this amazing experience with all of these like sort of famous athletes and Shane just asking Erica about her personal situation. <laughs> well, I don't know. I get curious. <laughs> she edits it so she can cut whatever she wants. Right now. <laughs> um, man, that sounds awesome, though. Uh, yeah. I, I, w- I wonder how long it is until you guys like get each other's numbers. You know, that's like the next step in the, the, the friendship. OK, I got everybody else's number. I got his dad's number. But I was like, I don't know if I want to ask him for his number. Like I felt I felt comfortable asking Max Domi for his number and Wayne Simmons. And we were exchanging information. But for some reason, I was like, I don't want to ask Jamal for it because I feel like that was take it too far. But maybe that was yeah. in my own head. It was maybe it was in my own head. He asked me for he he asked me if we have Instagram. He's like, Yo, you got Instagram? So he initiated that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What I think is so uh interesting about sort of you telling a story like this for like our listeners is that like this social awkwardness uh that you might have, you know, in high school or in your college dorm or when you start a new job, it literally never leaves you. You literally <laughs> are having the same dilemmas that everybody has socially with people they meet for the first time. It's like, is it weird if I ask for the number? Like, I don't know. They <laughs> yeah. seem really cool. All that stuff. And I think that that's uh, that's a cool thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, totally agree. Do you feel like, do you feel like, Max, you're living the perfect life? Like you've played every life move just right. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Uh, no, I've I've many uh, you know regrets and you know questioning myself all the time. So no, it seems but, like but, you're but, doing but, a good job lately, though. I think you're on fire. Okay, well, yeah. I mean, when it when it comes to that, like if grade you know grade seven Max could have told himself like, hey, you're gonna be friends with the Raptors head coach and like a, a superstar in the NBA is gonna like follow you on Instagram. I'll be like, I don't believe it. What's Instagram? No, but um, <laughs> uh, but yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, but but so far, yeah, I can't I can't complain. It's pretty cool. Yeah, that's enough for me. Sh- should we get? Uh, how is everyone's weekend? What would everyone get up to? Well, you guys heard that doorbell. I ordered some new eyeglasses, so things are popping here <laughs> yeah. at Veer Mansion. And you got a haircut. <laughs> I did get a haircut. Things are popping here at Veer Mansion. <laughs> New eyeglasses, hung out with my kid, you know. I'm not hanging out with NBA superstars or anything like that, but uh, I'm excited for the glasses. Uh, Shane, how about you? Uh, this was big for me. I did a hundred push-ups in a row. For me, <laughs> that was row? big. Bravo. Yeah. I was, that was my goal when quarantine began. I got up to 60 and then I worked. I actually did 105 in a row, which I'm very proud of myself. Holy shit! I can do a hundred over the course of a day. Like I do, I do twenty at a time. But a hundred in a row—that's a lot. Yeah, I got into the habit of doing at least sixty in a row every time, and then I was just working up to a hundred. 
How many would you do in a full day though? Like, would you just do 100 a day and you're done? Or how many would no, you do? No, some days I can do 500. Some days I'll do 280-ish. I would say my average is like in between 250 and 300. So I say 280 would be my average. But some days I just kill it. Is that the only exercise you do? Just the push-ups? Besides for walking and stuff? Uh, I go for a run every day and I have these little dumbbells that I use. It's like seven pound dumbbells though. Um, Shane, how long do you um, jog for? An hour. You jog for an hour every day? Yeah. Wow. I, I really want to see you with your shirt off, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it can look good if I'm flexing, but I have to be mm. flexing at all times and it looks really good. If yeah. I'm not, I just don't look as good, you know? Mm. Mm, damn, look at you. That's very impressive. I'm very, uh, yeah, it's making me reevaluate my workout. Which is What's like, your workout? Well, not every single day, but I usually try to get 100 push-ups in. I do like a little core thing for like yeah. 15 minutes, and then I'll run maybe for like half an hour. But that's the, but the most I can stomach. I don't really give a shit. So. Yeah, I used, I was telling my wife this, Alex. I, I was saying I do the workout for her more than I even do it for myself. <laughs> just be not like to look good in bed or anything, but just because I'm way more irritable if I don't do the run. So it's all just to be mentally healthy. I'm with you there. Like if I, even though I don't necessarily run every day or for as long as you do, I definitely walk. I'm walking all day long, basically, right now. Like I, if I if I don't get like twenty thousand steps, like minimum, I'm usually like ah, I didn't have a good day. So yeah, yeah. Well, I noticed yeah. on the two days of quarantine that I missed my run, Alex has said to me, "Oh, you've been the worst today. Like all day, you've been negative or uh, mm, a little grumpy, annoying." Yeah. So then I, ever since then, I've just made sure every single day, no matter what, even if it's 10 at night, I'll still go for the run. Wow. That's very, that's very impressive. Okay. I feel like we have some big news uh, stuff to get to. There are some topical things uh, that yeah, we can we talk won about. That, uh, we won the bet. <laughs> we did. <laughs> that's the most important news to come out of this past weekend for sure. Um, we did. We won. It's official. The money's in the account, guys. Uh, awesome. Once the once the press called it uh, for Biden, uh, the the bet settled itself, regardless of any sort of legal challenges Trump might pose over the coming months. Yeah, that's, that's um, yeah. I know. I know. The last uh, episode, I was really negative. Do you guys? You guys really got me in a mood where I was like, just kind of like pissed off about the election. We got, we got you in a mood. No, you didn't get me in the mood. The election got me in a mood. Okay. Oh. You guys were great, I, but I was you were ranting. You swearing like, like a sailor that episode, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I, was, I was in a weird state. Um, as time has moved on and as uh, I, I've sort of reflected and realized that, you know what? A win is a win. And when it was officially called a few days later on Saturday and you saw how relieved people were, you hear these stories about people like breaking down in tears on the sidewalk. I was in a park in, in Toronto Um and I was looking at my phone and it was announced and I just yelled out to nobody in particular, Biden won. <laughs> and people gave me some weird like thumbs up. Um, but I think I underestimated, uh, yeah, just how good it would feel when it finally happened. Uh, did, did, uh, Mike, uh, did you feel that way? Like, yeah, I know you and Danica follow this stuff pretty quickly. And I think we all sort of equally find uh, Trump a uh, really repelling figure who's the worst possible leader for, for any situation. How did you feel, Mike? Yeah, well, it's funny. You texted, Max, that it, this felt better than it w than you thought it would feel. And I mm -hmm. think ultimately it's it might be an argument for like 
pleasure delay. <laughs> like it's like it's, <laughs> it's almost like because it wasn't called Tuesday night. I mean, I guess people would have celebrated in their own way on the Wednesday if they called it late Tuesday night. But the fact that it dragged on for the whole week and then Saturday at like 11 a.m. all the networks call it and everybody's off work, it actually almost lent itself more to like this massive celebratory thing. So all the networks had people dancing in the streets um, and people just sort of like all the goodwill and, and and sort of like as if it was like the end of like Star Wars A New Hope or like the Empire Falls or whatever. Um, yeah, it was like, I think, I think bathing in all of that sort of like those good vibes did make it feel in some ways almost more overwhelming than if it had happened on the Tuesday night again just because we had to wait around for so long and people were still nervous like kind of like people were counting ballots and you didn't know if every return came back maybe Trump starts to edge back all of those things if you have a rooting interest in this sort of thing but yeah it was pretty uh it felt uh yeah it felt awesome I mean there was lots of moments that went viral on TV and and like I said so many uh so many so much footage of of people celebrating around the world Shaney what did you guys think when you uh, heard the news on Saturday oh we were we were happy but I I tend to get worried when something good happens because I'm worried about a, a sore loser or a gang of sore losers doing something. And that, that scares me. Like, what if there's some big upheaval and people are s- smashing the streets apart or something? Like, I, I don't know. I was worried for the, the states in case, because there was rumors that there was going to be riots in the streets. And uh, Alex was getting very strange messages on her her Instagram from people saying they're prepared for for anything like one person implied that they had like a gun and they were ready to uh to do something like so it was a little bit unsettling when That's something like there's always the uh the ying to the yang side you know what i mean so i i kind of lean towards the uh, the scared side when something good happens thinking about what could be the negative reaction you, but you need to allow yourself to sort of have the moment of happiness before or does your brain immediately snap to the negative p- potential ramifications well, that's all. That's what you hear in the news cycle. And then Alex right. posted a video of Lou saying for the people. And then, you know, you, you get a bunch of hard eyes, oh, but you also get some you get right. some threats and some vague threats that are like, geez, I hope the people in the States are uh, are going to be safe, like it be not as sore losers as it seems. And it seems like uh, Democrats are better losers than uh, Republicans. Yeah, like hopefully it doesn't lead to civil unrest that turns violent, and then there's some sort of you know. Yeah, yeah, that's what that's the word I was looking for. The she was getting a lot of message that there's going to be a civil war. Yeah, Alex was, and you know we have a family account. We're not even a political account, and we're getting those messages. Right. Yeah, that's like that classic line where it's like, "Excuse me, sir, this is a Wendy's." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Erica, how did how did you hear? Uh, what were your feelings? Yeah, pretty much same as you guys. I I feel like the Saturday announcement, though, was slightly underwhelming just because Thursday, Friday, it was like inching closer and closer, right? Like it started by Friday night. It was sort of like, okay, this this is what's going to happen. Like Joe's going to win. And then, yeah, once it was official, though, it was great. My friend just put in the group chat Saturday morning. Everyone was very happy. Called my dad, felt a little beam of optimism. And then the speeches that night, from Joe and Kamala obviously were amazing. I love what they did. I love how they did like the drive-in thing. Most of the time those look like super lame and unfun, the whole like car drive-in thing. But that one looked like it was bumping. Everybody was like hanging out of their windows and having a great time and celebrating. And yeah, all the videos that came out of people gathering in the streets all throughout peacefully and just like people celebrating. It was just so nice. And Saturday was a beautiful day. 
Oh, it was just great. Yeah. Saturday was a good day. Uh, uh, <laughs> you know, I was thinking though, you're right. Like that did look like a good drive-in show or whatever. Mm-hmm. But compared to what Obama got in, in Chicago and Grant Park the night that he won, it was just like <laughs> Biden got like, this like tiny little parking lot with like, you know, a hundred cars. Obama rolls into Grant Park in Chicago. There's like 300,000 people there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know what it is? Uh, no, that, that is so like a sign of just these times. Like think about the Raptors parade. Like mm-hmm. the Lakers and Dodgers both just won their city. Like they did the dual championship thing in MLB and the NBA and they're not even going to get a parade. Like it's like, and I don't know when we're going to get back to a point where that just becomes the norm. Like is that like, I don't know how, I don't know how long it is, but when I thought about exactly what you're saying, Max, with those speeches, it's just like, all the all the joy and the celebratory sort of like the massiveness of how people how we've done things to celebrate uh, is just wiped out by COVID, and you just kind of have to make do. And I really wonder how this is all going to play when we look back in the future, assuming things get better. Will we look back on sort of Joe and, and Kamala's like speeches as like quaint and sort of like oh that was like remember when we were all making do and we had to do this like parking lot thing, and now we're back to thirty thousand people roaring. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Or will we? Yeah, or is that just the new normal? I don't know. I don't know. But it made me think about all that stuff. Didn't you think the opening line of his speech was a little weird? Like a little like double downy and overcompensating? He's And Trumpian almost? He was like, uh, oh, thank you. We did it. This was uh, the most clear-cut, convincing victory ever. <laughs> it's like, no, it wasn't. This was like a nail-biter the entire time. It took days and weeks to, to being drug out. And he's like, in fact, it was uh, it was the most votes ever in American history. But he acted like he won by the most votes ever. But really, he just used clever wording because it was the biggest voter turnout. But he acted yeah. like it was the biggest discrepancy in voter history. It was very Trumpian. And I thought, not cool. I th- <laughs> not cool, Joe. Uh, get, you should no, get but Lou- it didn't seem fitting for the way Joe is to come out like that. Um you should get Lou to say not cool to Joe just to balance yeah. out the hate. Yeah. That not you're cool, Joe. On. Um, and the, the hymn that he was building up, he's like, I got a hymn. It's a good one. <laughs> oh, my son loved this uh, hymn. Oh, it, And then the hymn comes out. It wasn't moving at all. I thought it kind of sucked. <laughs> like, could you figure out what he was talking about? Did you? Well, <laughs> no. The, the, the run out, I thought, like yeah, right from the start. Oh, yeah. Like, dude is in his 70s, and I was just like, do not trip. But the run was very spry. I, that looked like the run of a much younger man. Uh, somebody on Twitter actually put it to the music of the Ultimate Warrior from wrestling. Like, coming I saw out. that. And it's just like, I was, I was very, very impressed with the run. Yeah. Um, that's really funny, uh, that you said that the, um, the, the one thing that I was thinking though, that I was actually kind of disappointed in and tell me if you guys disagree is that of course, when you win, you thank your volunteers, you thank your base, you thank all like the diverse base that you have. And, and that's, I think totally something to celebrate, but I would have spent like half of my speech basically saying, Hey, if you didn't vote for me, you are still American. I love you. I'm listening to you. I am here for you. And we're going to move forward together. And I know, I know there's some people. I don't think he said that enough, though. I think that should really? be the main message. Cause, cause back to my point that I was making last episode where I was just finding that like Democrats can, can be really annoying and lack self awareness when it comes to like their position in life and, and the way they come off with their messaging and the way they choose to frame certain ideas. Um, I, I just hope that something 
I, I don't know. It's, and, and on Twitter, it's like Pete Buttigieg said, I know it's, some of your family or friends that voted for the other side might be having a hard time. Today might be a good day to call them and just to talk about something other than politics and just let you know that they have something in common. And then all of his replies were like, fuck that. I'm not doing that. Fuck you, Pete. We fucking won. <laughs> fuck that. I'm like, okay. You know what I mean? I just don't find that, yeah. that stuff to be particularly helpful. And, and Twitter obviously is like the worst place to do that. But I would like... Uh, that sort of tone and, and messaging to be a little more popular moving forward. Yeah, I, just I think thought that it, was just, the best just, part of his speech. When anytime yeah, me, he me said, uh, "For the people who didn't vote for me, I want you to know I'm still working for you, just the same as I'd work for anyone." That yeah. part was way more moving than when he got into the stuff like, "And the thing about America is we've never failed ever." I thought that was a weird line. It's like you've never failed ever. It, it, some of his line, it felt like two different people wrote the speech. Yeah, it was a little a little wonky. Hey, uh, what did you guys think of uh, the Four Seasons debacle? That was my oh. favorite part of the weekend. <laughs> did you follow oh, this, Shane? Debacle? What, what's that? <laughs> what's a debacle? You mean a, a debacle? Debacle. I meant a debacle. Oh. Okay. What, what was the debacle? Shane. Oh, did you, know, this, uh, no, you know, tell me. Breaking you know news. What? Ash and I were walking this morning and we're like, do you think Shane knew about this Four Seasons thing? I was like, he must have known. But I was like, oh, there's a chance. He doesn't spend that much time on the internet on the weekend. Like the band, so my- the Four Seasons? No, no, that's but, that's another okay, layer okay. of confusion. Listen, when you're doing as many push-ups and running as much as Shane, you don't have time to follow every little morsel I'm of news. I'm not on Twitter. That's what it is. Yeah. So this ended up becoming a huge story. But essentially, uh, the morning that they called the election for Joe, Trump on his way to the golf course was like, everybody tune in a big press conference from his lawyers to you know contest the results at the Four Seasons. Uh, everyone's like, okay, so this is interesting. Like, what are his lawyers going to announce? Then he's like... At the Four Seasons landscaping. And then people are like, what? And he's like, and then he corrects himself like a third and a fourth time and basically kept screwing it up. But essentially, his people uh, arranged a press conference, which Trump thought was going to be at the very high end Four Seasons in Philadelphia, uh, in Pennsylvania. And Turned the Four out- Seasons had to tweet, this is not happening at our location. By yeah. the way, go on. Turns out it was at like this little tiny like landscaping company called the Four Seasons Landscaping. Now there's there's a lot of confusion as to whether his team intentionally did this because they wanted to seem small town America or if they actually just screwed it up so bad and then had to double down and just do it. So then you get all this these hilarious photos and footage of they put up all these Trump pen signs on like this little lift up garage. Rudy Giuliani's the lawyer giving the fucking speech. They set him up in front of there and then just everybody mercilessly makes fun of them. And then like 20 minutes later, you know, all the networks call it for Biden. So it was just like sort of the saddest way for Trump and his team or very indicative of their sort of incompetence on his way out that they had this debacle. Uh, but yeah, Twitter made fun of it mercilessly that it wasn't the actual Four Seasons. It was the Four Seasons landscaping. I saw a very funny tweet that was... Uh, I just want to announce that I lost my virginity to George Clooney, George Clooney landscaping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Shane, you, you have to see the photos because it's in this like completely like nondescript area of Philadelphia. Um, and it's next to uh, like, a, like a sex shop, like a, um, a sex toy shop, yeah. and like a dildo store and a cre- crematorium. <laughs> what did you say? What are you laughing about? Well, was it a sex shop or was it a place that only sold dildos? <laughs> that word I will you never said. not be funny. Just back saying the word dildo store makes me giggle. Sex shop. Something. Let's face it, it was a dildo store. <laughs> let's be real. Let's call it what it is. It's a dildo store. <laughs> 
I'm going to DS. Where? Dildo store. Come on, everyone knows what the DS is. <laughs> um, as, yeah, next to that in a crematorium, and basically like the only crematorium really next it. to the dildo store. <laughs> <laughs> Good, Max. You're on fire, oh, man. man. Oh. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Anyway, the internet had a field day. It was great. But uh, Mike, I want to uh, talk about Alex Trebek because as soon right. as he passed, uh, you were the you were the first person I thought of, um, and then seeing the outpouring uh, of sort of sadness, but also appreciation. Uh, on social media from every corner of the internet, I thought was so impressive and so unique to Alex Trebek. And I was trying to think like, is there anybody else like Alex Trebek in popular culture? Because obviously when musicians pass, um, you know, you you feel the reaction there when an actor passes or a politician passes. But Alex Trebek like transcended like kind of all of that because of the role of that show. So anyway, Mike, talk, talk about, you know, how you've been feeling the last last 24 hours. Yeah, the, the first, I think the first thing is like, you know, when you found out he had sort of very serious cancer, it's like, oh, this is really sad and he's going to fight it and he had some relapses and then he was sort of fighting it and then he was still doing the show and you're kind of going along on the journey and you're just like, oh man, like you really, you really pull for him. And I think the reason is, is because he's been around, like he's like, he's, he's like, you know, people have been posting clips of him, even in popular culture, you know, he's, he's in an episode of Cheers, you know, he's in white man can't jump he's in like he's just in so many things because it's just synonymous with something that you don't have to explain jeopardy's been around for for what feels like forever in, in prime time every night at seven o'clock people around north america just watch it and so alex is sort of there um and unlike say like other game show hosts like bob barker or pat sajak or something jeopardy kind of occupies this place where even if you don't watch it you're well aware or you know what it is or you've watched bits and pieces of it here and there, even if you're not really into trivia. But then you have this sort of like cult-like sort of group of people who consider themselves like, I don't know, they're into trivia or maybe they're academics or whatever and they like, they're obsessed with it. So it kind of crosses this huge spectrum um, of people that have had Alex in their life forever. And and you kind of consider Alex like, a little bit smarter because the game show is such like a it's like a trove of information and sort of you know the ability to recall that information um so i just think like because it's touched so many people for so many years and alex has just been in their lives i think this is just like one of those things where people don't really know how to react and i think cancer is one of those things too that touches people in a way that is very personal you know what i mean like to watch somebody sort of like fight through a debilitating disease and try to keep doing their job even though they're sort of slowly uh decaying i think that that's something that has touched people personally so like that journey mixed with the fact that he's sort of just been in our homes forever uh mixed with sort of our genuine sort of affection for him all bits of him he's he's funny he's smart he can be condescending like danica and i have laughed many times at him like sort of getting annoyed at contestants that aren't really pulling their own like sometimes you'll get a panel of three like duds that are just like you know maybe the the, the, the day before's winner was kind of like got in luckily and then the other two with them like they're just all biffing answers and you can just see alex getting annoyed at people not like you know like the integrity of the game almost is is, is at stake all of those things are just so lovable about who he is. And personally for Dan and I, like we, we watch it every night. That's like, that's our thing. Like we've, we've 
we got our own scoring system. We we even bet on what we think the contestants will bet in a daily double. Um, we've almost gotten divorced over like contested like <laughs> fucking Jeopardy results. Uh, so like, yeah, we, we've been there for Alex. And so when he went, it was a little bit surprising because he was taping episodes and you thought that maybe he was turning the corner. Uh, but yeah, that was a long-winded way of saying we were super, super, super bummed out when we saw the news and you just sort of spend you know, the day watching the clips that people keep posting on Twitter and stuff like that. So Yeah, I saw a meme that said Alex Trebek is proof you can still be a kind person and bully nerds. <laughs> <laughs> and all the clips that have come out since are all him doing like a very funny quip to some nerd. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I think I saw a headline that said something like, um, he's that rare thing that's like kind of like a, like a likable know-it-all. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Whereas like usually know-it-alls are like you have like an aversion to them, but there was just something about Alex that there was also like a real kindness and humanity that absolutely came across, but he didn't suffer fools. You know what I mean? It was like, yeah, it was kind of like a Letterman style vibe yeah. in terms of his dignity. And he also, he didn't seem 80. He seemed like he was one of those guys who was born 45 or 50 and he yeah. was that age his whole life. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing um, to add to to your point, Mike, about like why, what made him special is that the show was so unique in that it sort of like honored like intellectual curiosity in a very sort of nonpartisan way. It was just like a show that really valued like education. Um, And, and so people have so many like fond memories of like sort of like the purest form of entertainment, which like isn't fluff. It's, it's really about like, learning more about the world and history and things that are like larger than yourself. And that's an an incredibly hard thing to pull off. Like what else is there in the world that, that is that famous and that well-liked that everybody's like, Oh, I just like, and that is, that is uh, sort of promoting those values and ideals uh, like Jeopardy. There's nothing like that. That's what made it so special. Cause, and it was, and it was cool too. Like John Mayer, you know, had a huge post today about like so many people were like, that was my guy. And that was like, you know, the thing I like to do with my family. And, and we, and we felt smarter and better people for it. Like what else is there that, that offers that? I don't know if there is in, in, in popular culture. That's a great way to put it. Like that's, that's a great way to put it. And I think, I think the other thing too, that's like genius it's like once you get into that show too, you really you follow the contestants the way you'd follow your favorite like sports player. Like people have different styles, and then and you get into weird, quirky personalities. And because these people are usually very like bookish or like you know they're they're unique idiosyncratic people, uh, you really get into the contestants. And Alex was amazing at sort of like dealing with those personalities and connecting with them. And then you know like Shane was saying, he'll have a a, a, a cutting quip or something you know to somebody who talks about doing role play or some sort of like cosplay in the park you know. But um, one of the things I was thought was interesting is there was this contestant James uh, Holzauer, I think is how you say his last name, but he became Jeopardy James and he became famous for like pushing it all in. But he's a very odd personality and he was very brash and he was famous because he basically his style was every daily double he would bet almost everything and that's very risky because you you could lose it but what would happen is he was so confident in his ability to answer these daily doubles he would just keep doubling up his money so he would demoralize his opponents (laughs) and you could tell at the start of his run alex is like who the fuck is this guy like it's almost like he found him like like it was almost like what but Mm -hmm. then once he like after a game or two alex was like no this guy 
is like, he knows his shit. And then Alex starts to take like pleasure in James's sort of like weird brashness. And then there's like <laughs> this contrast and it becomes like this two hander or like a buddy play, you know? And it's like, you just, I think that was one of the great things about watch. It was like humanity and sort of like entertainment, like you said, Max, amongst sort of like this, this feeling that you're kind of being clever because you know the answer to a couple of these questions or whatever. And by the way, like, you know, Let's just say that when me and Danica are playing, I really pilot my points on the movie movie categories. Uh, you know, I get real quiet on like geography and science. Do you think they're going to replace the host and keep the show going? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 They think they think it might be Ken Jennings. That would be mm-hmm. fitting. Yeah, and he's been doing like some on air stuff. He'll do some of the like questions and stuff like that. So they think they've kind of been prepping him in the TV world. Wow. Alex and Ken have like a real relationship too. Yeah. Like I think that like Alex would have been, you know, Ken Ken could be the guy because he's clever and funny. And mm-hmm. I think he has a lot of the elements that Alex has actually. Yeah. Um, and he was also like one of the most famous champs in Jeopardy history. Mm-hmm. Um, that There was a couple of cl- clips that were being um, posted a lot. One was uh, the I love you Alex mm-hmm. clip, yeah. uh, which makes you want to cry. And the other one was... Um, from the guy who watched the show with his dad and, and, and that's how we learned to speak English. Am I getting that right? His mm-hmm. grandfather, yeah. Yeah. Oh, God. What, what, that's amazing. It's very, very cool to have that. And then to, What's the I love you one? This Mike? guy. So what happened was Alex had, um, he'd announced that he had cancer uh, and then he was sort of better and I think he was kind of hitting a relapse and so people were like, he was sort of continuing to do the job and people were trying to find ways of like, let's tape the show. Let's not make everything about this because Alex clearly is like, no, we're here to do the job. And this contestant uh, who was going to lose in Final Jeopardy, but you write down, it's kind of like the reverse of the old like SNL sketch with Trebek and Connery where basically um, Alex is like, uh, he's like, are you going to get the right answer? Right. And the guy doesn't get the right answer. And then he's like, well, let's see what you wagered. And it just says, we love you, Alex. And then Alex like, it catches Alex off guard reading it. And I think because he just sort of recently talked about his struggles and his prospects of maybe like recovery, Alex can't, can, he starts to choke up. Like he starts to get really, mm-hmm. and he kind of like, like he kind of points to the guy, like, thank you. Like you got me like that actually really. And then he has to move on to the next contestant who's going to, you know, but it's like this really genuine moment where Alex, who's sort of like above these things, can't um, contain himself in this genuine moment of sort of like humanity. Yeah, and, and, you know, I have seen that on yeah. YouTube. Wow. Yeah, yeah, that was a good mm-hmm. moment. Yeah, um, so we have uh, seven minutes now. Okay, uh, so if you have it once, let's just we'll wrap this Canadian icon, uh, television icon. Uh, yeah, R.I.P. Alex, and uh, you know what an amazing life. You know, like what a legacy. It's just something that like is so unique. We might never see another Alex Trebek again, just because things don't last thirty years anymore, or are ubiquitous, or like go into homes the way that that show does. And that brings us to. Very controversially cut from last episode because Max had to go and uh, shoot something with Jamal Murray, hang out with uh, some other people. I don't know if that's what you had to do, but Shane was unable to do the surprise. So we are back on schedule. Yeah. This is now the Shane surprise. Shane, so this one's a little less topical now than it Good. was at the time I brought it up. But Jeffrey Tobin <laughs> was caught uh, jerking it on uh, a Zoom call. <laughs> And this news want, feels like this news feels so old now with the election, but yeah. still hits hard. But it's it's just a lead into have you ever uh, not understood technology in a way that has gotten you in trouble? Uh, and for for me, my story is just to buy you some time here. 
and I've told it before, but I didn't understand what CC meant on an email. This was about 17 years ago. I was on a vacation. I met a very famous uh, director and he would give me these really weird hugs. And then for some reason, he gave me his email and I didn't know how I didn't have uh, a way to store it for posterity. So I thought I would email it to myself. So I put it in the CC section thinking that would save me the email. But I sent him an email where I was making fun of him and then i was saying how he gave really weird hugs and the next time i saw him he did not (laughs) hug me thus revealing that he read the email even though i messaged his manager and told him i sent him an email by mistake and not to read it but of course you're going to read the email probably even more once you get a message like that (laughs) this is the other thing has does any has anyone ever in the history of emails thought that the preemptive please don't open that email has ever worked? Like, has anyone been like, no, you know what? The right thing to do would be to honor that person's wishes and I will delete it without reading it. Would you honor it, Mike, if I said don't open that? You know what? I actually probably would. I would. Mm-hmm. If you if you asked me as a friend and you're like, please, please, please don't open that, then I just, I would trust that you had a reason and I wouldn't. But then I feel like we'd be weird. Then I'd be like, you have to kind of tell me at least what was going on there. I, I don't think we can just drop it, you know? Okay. Would you read it if I begged you not to read an email I sent you? I wouldn't open it, no. And I'd be worried that there'd be some sort of indicator in the email that could kind of reveal if I had cheated. Right. But I would not do it. Right. Max, what about what about you? If we sent you an email and then we said, Max, do not open this. What, whatever you do, just delete it, please. Would you delete it? Um, yeah, I think I would actually because I put, I, I put my, myself in the shoes of a person. And also, you don't want to know what people are thinking about you. I think that's like there's some something to that where it's like I don't want to know everybody's thoughts about me because no, but I'm very you don't know that the email is negative about you. It could be naked pictures of me and my wife by accident that I emailed you. Mm. It's like it's that it's that unknowing <laughs> thing. Well, if, if the subject line says that, I'm pretty sure Max is opening. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, though that did remind me, I think I can tell the story because I can shield. And I, the identity is well enough, but it, it's similar to your situation. Well, not similar, but basically including, I, I was included in an email that I shouldn't have been included on. Um, basically, some famous Canadian celebrity did something they shouldn't have done and got booted out of their group for doing this thing. And then the, the, there's some people on the administrative side of that operation that also work with our Kells that accidentally included me on an email uh, um, that um, was saying, oh, we have to cancel the flights for this person. Oh, cancel the hotel, cancel this and that. And then uh, I I wrote right back. I'm like, I don't think this was for me. And then they said, oh, please delete that immediately. So uh, so it was funny (laughs) to see like the inside scoop on what was happening in the aftermath of somebody getting kicked out of their thing. Um, Can I guess who it was? I have a guess. No. Sarah McLaughlin. <laughs> who would Sarah McLaughlin's her own thing. Who would who would kick her out? I'm not saying it was a good guess. And it was a joke, Max. <laughs> I know who it is. Continue. <laughs> um, but I'm trying to think if I, if I've done anything that really fucked up uh with technology. Mm, I'm usually pretty pretty good, I think. I don't know. Uh, let me think about it. Mike, what do, you, what, do you have any uh, instances? I don't. I, I can't think of anything where I've screwed up technology too much in the reverse way. When, so when I, when I got my first Hotmail, uh, 
all I all you ever heard about when like sort of like the internet started, I got my first email account was that like internet fraud, internet fraud. So in my mind, I was like, oh, I'm not going to put my actual name on this. I'm going to put a, a different name. So like I had my email, which was like a variation of my name. But then the name that would show up when I sent an email, I was thought I was being clever. Instead of it saying Mike Veerman, it said Don Knotts because I thought Don Knotts from um, the Andy Griffith show was funny for some reason. So I put Don Knotts in there. Don't think but, about but it, it again. But it would still be like your name in the email account. Variation of it, but yeah, you, you know, there, you know. So, but either way, when I would send an email, what I didn't realize is it's like because you're only emailing with your friends, and you know that they're gonna maybe they'll find it funny. But so I have it through high school, and then we get to the point where like I actually start like might get a chance to get into much music, and I send like my resume and stuff in in my my hotmail. But the name they got it from in their inbox was fucking Don Knotts. Uh, luckily, the person that I sent that email to ended up being uh, my mentor and our podfather, patron saint, Justin Stockman. Mm. His favorite show of all time is Three's Company that starred Don Knotts. So he thought I was hilarious because I had Don Knotts <laughs> in my fucking email address. So he was like, that Don Knotts thing was hilarious. And I didn't want to be like, oh, I just didn't know how the fuck my hotmail wow. worked. <laughs> that's awesome. That's so yeah, that's cool. Good. That's really funny. Yeah, Erica? super random. No, I feel like I've always been pretty good with that kind of stuff. And I have very strict rules. Like um, my, my computer doesn't have anything really personal on it. And I don't really do work stuff on my phone. So it's all very separate from personal and professional, especially now working from home, you know, so. Actually, it, though, I will say one thing I did in my past, this is tangentially uh, related, is I got kicked out of Molly Blooms in London, Ontario back in 2010 because uh, I was actually visiting Tim. Tim was playing in a cover band and he was drumming in this cover band. And they, they took a break. So I got behind the kit and I started to play the drums. The bouncer kicked me out as soon as he saw me doing that. I Ever since then, I've been uh, at every London show, I always yell and fuck Molly Blooms. That's like been like a, a re reoccurring bit. Um, but then today, I was thinking maybe it'd be fun to make amends uh, 10 years later, give Molly Blooms the pub crawl song. Oh. Right? And so I just, I Googled, <laughs> I, I searched in Twitter, Molly Blooms London. And the thing that came up, because it's probably attached to our account, was my original tweet about how much I hate Molly Blooms. <laughs> and so anyway, it still exists on the internet. And it actually kind of came in handy because I was able to make a tweet about it. Like, I'd like to make amends with you, Molly Blooms. That 10 years later, we'd like to give you the song. So I think we're going to do that. Yeah. And have they responded? Because I think it'd be awesome if they doubled down and they say, no, you got behind the kit. Our policy is <laughs> never again. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>